Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Layman presented by Riverwind Casino, we give you our top five OU football players we think need to crush winter workouts. Then... OU women's basketball head coach Jenny Baranchek joins us to talk some hoops and we give our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostey will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, February 4th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack. Blackjack Match Roulette and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February, all you have to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can email us at the Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com. Ted Lehman, how are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Good. Had a long weekend. We'll get to that in winners and losers. <laughs> Had my first Disneyland experience. Oh, okay. There's a lot to discuss. I know you have strong opinions on Disney, yeah. but like we always do. We're going to start with the OU football stuff. Although I am fired up to talk to Jenny Baranchek. Yeah. OU women's, awesome. They got it rolling, man. They're on a rip right now. We talk to winners on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> so excited to talk to coach uh, about everything going on with OU women's basketball, but let's start with the OU football stuff. Like we always do. It's weird when there's no portal news now. I know it. It, I, I feel like a piece of me is missing when we can't come on here and talk about some new addition to the football team. Is that weird? Yeah, it, it is interesting. It's always, whether it's recruits, signing day, or transfer portal, you're, we're talking about all these new little pieces that the football team is adding. So, yeah, that's, 
I, I don't know if it's totally done, but probably until that post-spring transfer portal window, you got to imagine. Yeah, so with there, no, there being no portal news, that forces us to get creative. Th- this is when we actually have to start coming up with content ourselves, which here we go. Let's give it a whirl. And right now, when you look at what the team is doing, they're in winter workouts, which were never my favorite. Now I wasn't, I wasn't a, I wasn't a strong guy like you, Ted, you were a, you were a weight room guy. I was not so much, but we're going to do some lists. Our top five OU players that need to crush winter workouts. Now we have not discussed our lists. We have not exchanged what our lists looks like. I even took my list off the rundown so you couldn't steal my guys. <laughs> so before we get into our lists, how would how would you describe winter workouts, the misery that is winter workouts? It's tough. It's you know, as the season gets closer, the hard work is it's never easy, but it feels like, hey, the season's right here, right? You better get get the best, you know, the most you can out of this right now, bigger, faster, stronger. But in the winter, like you're just off of the reset from the season and everything feels so far away. And uh, it's so hard to get out of bed whenever it's cold outside. And it's just everything's kind of working against you. Um, you know, there's not something that's right around the corner on you, but uh, I think it's I think it's the most important. Um, I think it's where you get because in the summer it, it turns it's so hot and there's so much conditioning and there's a lot of conditioning in the winter too. I don't mean to say that there's not, but I feel like it's when like you can get like some real good gains in strength gains, weight gains. Uh, it's so hard to gain weight in the summer because it's so hot out there. So um, I don't know. I feel like you can make up a lot of good ground and, like I always, I, I I feel this way to my core, and I always will. I think it's where the the true leaders of your football team are forged. I completely agree with that because winter workouts they're just miserable. That I just it, you're right. The season feels so far away, and it's all about getting stronger. And adding weight, if you're if you're a guy that needs to add weight, the 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 winter is the best time to do that. And I think if you're not making significant strength gains in the winter, uh, it's an issue. Mm-hmm. And, and that's on an individual basis, but certainly across your football team. One underrated part about the winter, I always thought it was a really good time for technique development because you're doing, you're doing your workouts, you're doing your lifts, you're doing your coaches stations or whatever they call them now. But it's also a time where you don't have to worry about practice. You don't have to worry about games. Uh, You Mm -hmm. you can watch some film. You can start studying up on some of your sec opponents, right? You can start doing that stuff this time of the year, but I always viewed it as a really good time to really sharpen your technique at whatever position 
that you're playing. And there's a bunch of player led drills during this time of the year, but that that's, those are the three main things for me in the winter is strength, weight, and then technique development. That's how I always viewed it. And you mentioned it's one of the easiest times. It is the easiest time for guys that need to add mass to add mass, right? That's strength and weight. That's how I view that. So it's a, it's a critical, critical time for a college football team. Yeah. Now, I don't know how it's structured now, but it used to be more um, like you spend a lot more time in the weight room because you got to remember in summer workouts, your summer workouts are a big, long, you know, two hour workout that includes like some warm up before, some lay around and try and recover afterwards. Winter workouts, you've got a full schedule of classes going on. So the timings broke down a little bit differently, you know, that, you know, some of the stuff is like you, all that to say, you spend more time in the actual weight room than you do during summer workouts. Now you always got to go in and get some supplemental stuff done, but you know, it's, it's typically built around some longer weight room time. And you don't have to worry if you're the strength staff, if you're Jerry Schmidt and his staff, you don't have to worry about the guys being fresh for game day. <laughs> right. This is right. the old the old saying, squeeze the orange. Yeah. And it, it's an important time. So let's get to the lists. Who, who's the first guy on your list of the top five guys for OU that need to have a great winner? Jackson Arnold. And the reason I've got him on there is because, like I said, I believe the most important part of winter workouts is you figure out who your leaders are. And to me, when you're the like, he's this, he's the quarterback, right? And everyone knows he's the quarterback. You got to go in there and have some time as the leader of the football team. And that starts, in my opinion, with winter workouts, uh, leading the drills, getting guys, you know, picking guys up that are lagging behind, uh, giving guys a pat on the back that are doing a great job, getting used to being the guy leading. And, you know, he's a guy, obviously, that benefit from bigger, faster, stronger, work on his body, uh, try and maintain some, some health. It's going to be a, a really long season. But for me, like to be a true leader, you have to get in there and suffer with the rest of the team. And I think that's really important for Jackson Arnold to get in there and earn the respect through the workouts, not just through being named the quarterback. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully 
with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and those are those are two different things. You mentioned it. Everyone knows he's going to be the quarterback, but this is a perfect time. And he had a little bit of it leading up to the bowl game mm-hmm. once Dylan Gabriel hit the transfer portal, but it's not the same. You know, what you're doing before the bowl game and bowl practice leading up to that game in the Alamo Bowl, it's just not the same but when it comes to what you're going through as a team sure. during the winter. So it is, it's an important time for him physically. He's got to get ready physically for the pounding of an an entire season. He's never had to go through that as a college player, but I'm with you, man. It's more about the leadership piece where he can show his teammates kind of what he's made of physically. And he's done that, but you just view it differently. Now, if you're one of his teammates, knowing that he's going to be your starter. It's just completely different. Yep. And, you know, there's, he's been here a while now, uh, you know, starting a a full year. And uh, this is where you should really start to take off because there's nothing new anymore, right? You've been through winter workouts before. You've been through a spring. You've been through summer, training camp, been through a season. All that new, you know, you have to absorb it before you can really hit your full stride. This is his opportunity to hit that full stride, be the guy, you know, earn that leadership role before you get into spring football. And by that time, it's second nature to everyone. This is our quarterback. This is our leader. He's been there in the fire with us. And, you know, I, I, I think it's important. And I think he'll actually, I think he'll thrive in that type of environment. Yeah. I think, I think it could allow him to be more of himself and you know how it is in the winter, all the stuff that the quarterbacks do with the wide receivers and the tight ends and the running backs, organizing all that stuff mm-hmm. and leading all of those sessions. I mean, it's going to force him to get more and more comfortable with being the guy. So it, it's, there's no doubt, man. It's a, it's a very pivotal time for him. Yep. No, I agree. First guy on my list. You'll be shocked to know it's an offensive lineman. <laughs> I've got Jacob Sexton as as the number one guy on my list that needs to have a great winner. The knee injury in the bowl game two years ago, I, I just think it set him back from a strength development standpoint. And I, I am I'm really excited that he's healthy for the offseason. I think the guy is wired the right way. I really like the way that he plays. He's got good length. He's got good athleticism, but let's be real. He needs to get stronger. Had moments in 2023 where he was just a little overwhelmed by some guys that had good power. 
So I know that they brought in some transfers, and those guys are going to push him when it comes to the the tackle competition. But I think he's in a great position to be this team's starting left tackle. Go back and look. Listed at 6'6", 327. That's that's pretty dang good. Yeah. But it is it's just going to be a completely different challenge week in and week out with the type of edge players that he's going to see in the SEC. He has to have a fantastic winner. And it ties into what you said about Jackson Arnold. Jackson Arnold needs Jacob Sexton to have a fantastic winner and everything I've ever been told about the kid. That is my expectation. I expect him to make significant strength gains and for those gains to be reflected in this play when the fall rolls around, but he, it is a critical, critical winner for Jacob Sexton. And what, so a full year out from surgery, um, you know, I, Long rehab, got some time out there on the field, did some good things. Like, you started some games. Back. Yeah, this is like because it's hard to to get strength gains and stuff whenever you rehab and everything. So, do you expect like that should not be an issue, right? No, he should he should be back to where he's fully trusting that leg. You know, that's a, about a full gear is usually when you hear guys say that it just started to feel normal again. That's how it was for me when I blew mm-hmm. my knee out in New Orleans. Or I guess I was playing for Tennessee, but blew it out in New Orleans. But it was, yeah, There, you, you kind of, once you start forgetting about it, that's that's when you, you're really making, making your gains. So I am, I'm confident he's going to have a great winner, but long-limbed guy, tall guy, it sounds like he is, he is all about the work, but it, it's critical that he that he gets stronger because I, I think he's got everything else as a player. Mentality, yep. length, athleticism, just needs the strength. I like it. Who else you got? Who's the next guy on your list? Next guy on my list is Kip Lewis. I think you Kip son Lewis. of a he's the next guy on my list. <laughs> yeah. He, I, I think he's an incredible linebacker. He, he, I think he is the most natural, um, you know, quick trick, quick twitch, quick trigger playmaker that we that we have at the linebacker spot. Um, just the natural athleticism, the natural instincts that he has are really good. He's a knockback tackler. He. I, you know, from what I've seen taken on guards and stuff, he does an adequate job, but he could really take the next step if he put on 12, 15 pounds. You know, he's he's between 215 and 210. If he's between 225 and 230, that's a different animal because he's not going to lose his speed. He's a hard gainer. Everything that he puts on is going to be really good weight. Um, if he can do that, you know, I, I think, I think he starts and I think he could have a huge year. We'll see, you know, cause I think it's going to be really competitive there. Um, and he can play multiple spots for you. I also think that he, 
is one of those guys that is going to benefit from it's not just the strength and conditioning stuff of the winner. You know, they're able to do quite a bit of stuff on the field. Um, that extra work before they get to spring. Right, my hope is he is like not slowed down at all by any understanding of the defense, where he needs to be, terminology, nothing. This should be a full go for Kip Lewis. And like I said, if he if he can put on some weight, he can be a totally different animal out there. I don't know if this makes sense or not. But first of all, I was really, really impressed with him in the 2023 season. I really like watching the guy play football. It it's clear that he just he just sees things a little quicker than some of the other guys out there. Mm-hmm. Whatever word you want to use it, instincts. I, some guys got it, and he's got it. Mm-hmm. I just need Kip Lewis to look like Kip Lewis if you took an air pump and just gave him like two pumps. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I don't think he's going to gain too much weight too quickly, lose any of his speed, lose any of explosiveness. That I, I don't think that's going to happen. But there's no doubt he needs to add some weight with them going to the SEC. It's just a more physical league. Bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic guys that you're going to be playing week in and week out. So my hope is that you get a couple weeks into the season and some people are starting to have the conversation. Does OU possibly have the best inside backer duo in the SEC? If, If Kip Lewis has the type of winner I think he can have, I think that conversation will take place with him and Stutzman. And, I, and I'm not trying to say that Canick's not going to be a factor, but I, I just thought that Kip Lewis looked like a better football player than Canick in the back half of the season. So we'll see what that battle at the inside backer spot ends up looking like. But now that he has played, you would assume he's gained quite a bit of confidence from being out there. And, dude, I think he showed a lot in that Alamo Bowl. I thought he was done. Rolled the ankle. I thought he was done. And then just came out and was flying around in the second half. Your teammates noticed stuff like that. Yeah, I certainly noticed it. I know you noticed it. And if he can have, if he can have a big-time winner, I think he's one of the better just football players that they've got in that locker room. I totally agree. Totally agree. And, you know, he's... He's got the uh, – uh, he wants it too. So I think he'll be motivated throughout this offseason, and that matters. You stole my guy, so <laughs> I will move on to the next guy on my list. So I had Jacob Sexton, then Kip Lewis. I'm interested in your reaction to my third guy. I've got Caleb Hicks on here. And we didn't see much of him at all right. in 2023. Now, you and I saw him out at some training camp practices and went, who is that guy? Mm -hmm. And I think he is the most physically gifted running back they've got. Guy looked the part when you just saw him in pads. He absolutely looked the part as a true freshman. Going into the SEC, you know you're going to need multiple backs. It can't just be Sawchuck and the transfer, frankly. like You're going to have to 
have a lot of backs. I just think Hicks has a chance to be really good. Yeah. Got to add strength. Got to add more weight to hold up when it comes to the, the grind of the season. Got to be able to run through trash, which has been an issue for this football team for a couple seasons now. Maybe this is the best way to view it. I think he's got the highest ceiling of any guy that's in that room. We'll see what Tatum looks like. It's hard to expect a ton from a true freshman, even a five-star true freshman. Mm -hmm. But Hicks's build, I don't know. It just feels like it fits in SEC football. So I uh, got to have a big winner. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I'll build on that. It wasn't the next on my list, but I'll skip ahead. I had Salchuk on there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just because he had some really good moments at the end of the year. But it, it's, it's not good enough. We, we were not explosive enough. We were not downhill enough. Like all of the things at running back. And I'm not necessarily just putting that on Salchuk. I put it kind of on the whole group. Barnes needs to have a good winner because whatever explosiveness he had his freshman year felt like it was gone last year. And I don't know if that was mentally or you know he had the surgery whatever that was it just wasn't there it wasn't the same so i we need more explosiveness more power and finally more durability because it's two years in a row now saw chucks did that hamstring is just it's turned into this ongoing ordeal and you've got to address that in the offseason you know you've got to make that thing bulletproof however you can so i mean i agree running back room in general needs to have a really good offseason i like it my next guy pj adibaware that's i had the exact same one i well I had him up here, and I just kind of flip-flopped the, the Sawchuck deal to match up. Yeah. He's on this list for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's pretty simple. When you look at the entire football team, you line him up, you look at him, and you go, that's the most physically gifted guy on the team. He just, the, the, the length, just the way the guy looks, the frame... We need that guy to be a dude. He can't just be a guy. Got to fill the frame out more. And there's no better time to do it than winter workouts. We need him to be a force this season. He can't just make he he can't just make a jump. He needs to make a massive leap. When you're dealing with that with those types of physical gifts, the jumps, they need to be bigger than the average guy. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know. 
but he was listed at 6'4", 240 this year. It seems like he looked bigger every single week that we saw him. I'm not sure where he ended up weight-wise, but he needs to be 255, 260 by the time the season rolls around. And just looking incredible. And that starts now. So this defense needs an edge guy where the other team goes, we need to know where that guy is every snap. And right that right now, OU doesn't have that. Yeah. He needs to become that. He's I have to imagine that he's incredibly strong in the weight room. I don't know, but I've seen his older brother's numbers. I've seen his younger brother do some stuff. So I know it's there and like just needs to get and I don't think that he's necessarily lacking in strength for for what he was doing coming in as a true freshman. He just needs to build it. He needs to become elite at it. And, you know, all of the position development stuff that comes along with it in the winter, your get off, you know, working some of your pass rush moves, some of your hand placement stuff, your, you know, the way you can butt and separate, like just pulling it all together. The, the strength stuff, the speed stuff and the technique stuff all needs to really come together before you head into spring football. And, you know, spring football is not like the destination, but you need to have some really good momentum going into spring football to try and translate a lot of those gains into real world application on the football field. When we make it out to some spring practices, I want to walk out there and go, Oh my God, look at PJ. That's my expectation. And you you also, when you get these five-star guys, you got to develop them. It's important. It's important for the program. That's it. That those big time, that you, perform. that you take those guys, or these guys that were really, really highly recruited and you make them first rounders. That's important. Yep. And PJ has... He has the ability. I've I've said it multiple times. His ceiling is first pick of the NFL draft. Yep. It's it's possible with the measurables and what he can do physically. But everyone's got a hand in that development process. Strength and conditioning staff. Chavis, they got to get this guy. They got to get him to a place where going into the season, Everyone goes, we got to know where that guy is every single snap. Yep. I, I know that I know that that's a really high expectation. It, it just is what it is, man. Well, the flashes have been there, you know, for sure. Flashes have been there and he's not the only one in that group, you know, to single him out. Like he's got the highest ceiling, but our Mason Thomas needs to get healthy and get back. Right. Right. He was, kind of a no-show all season battling injury. Trace Ford, say, you know, he needs to get, you know, ramped up, ready to go. So, yeah, that there's, it's going to be a big offseason for that group. Who else you got? All right. I, I'll, it it kind of ties right in with what you were saying there about PJ. Uh, Peyton Bowen, you know, he five-star kid. He, we saw the flashes where, 
he's just a next level playmaker. Has a good understanding of what to do out there as a true freshman, but it's a long, brutal season. He hit the wall. He had some injury stuff, some durability problems that he battled throughout and became less effective as the season wore on. It's important for him to, to get in there. Like the football stuff is ahead of schedule. I think the, the body work is behind schedule, which is typical for a freshman coming in and playing as much as he did. It's hard for the body to hold up when you haven't had one of those, a real full off season under your belt. So I think he's got to have a big year. Uh, I think weight wise and everything, he's probably in a pretty good spot already, but you could, it's, it's always good. If you can add and keep your athleticism and get faster and stronger, then add some weight, you know, it, it's going to help you through a long physical season, but the leg strength, the power, it all helps the durability. Also, never hurts when your safeties just have jacked arms. Just going to say it. That Photo just, yeah, looks great. When the guys turn on the tape, they go, oh, look, that, that's the safety. But I think we, we saw a lot of fa- flashes from him in the 2023 season. And he's another one of these guys, five-star guy. His jump needs to be elite. Mm-hmm. he's capable of that. So uh, I'm with you, man. I think that's a really good one. My last guy. I, it, I'm not, I'm not sure you're going to see this one coming. David stone was the easy pick, right? Five-star guy. And, and I was thinking about, I, I, my thought process was I need another defensive lineman. I need a defensive lineman, a line of scrimmage league in the sec, all that stuff. But David Stone was too easy. And, and this is one of the reasons why I didn't put him on my list. Ted, can you tell me how many TFLs Daryl McCoy had his freshman season? I can't. I have no idea. Well, good. Because Gerald McCoy redshirted him. So when you think about, and that's who everyone compares him to, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about the high, how highly recruited he was, the last guy OU had that was that type of caliber of recruit didn't even play his freshman year. So I, I really don't know what to expect from David Stone. We'll, we'll see. The expectations are going to be extremely high. I know this. It's really, really difficult to go into the SEC as a true freshman and just Russia. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. But a guy that has been around in that defensive line room is Grayson Halton. And for a couple years now, the coaches have been saying, hey, this guy shows some flashes. I like him. Yeah. And I, I kind of went back and forth between him and Ashton Sanders, but Halton's been around longer, so I went with him. And the bottom line is he was listed at 6'2", 283 this season on the roster. And that 283, I don't know. I mean, I think that's in full pads. He has to take it more seriously. Yep. Bottom line. 
you cannot play at 285 in the interior in the, in the SEC. You just can't do it. Just can't happen. You will get destroyed. I, I wanted to put a defensive line. I almost put Dejon Terry on there to say that he's our biggest defensive lineman and he needs to get bigger. <laughs> you <Right>. know? <laughs> so when, when you look at Halton, he's shown some flashes of quickness, some explosiveness, some natural twitch. Guy's got to take weight more seriously. Mm-hmm. He's got a great motor. He's got the quickness. He's got the, you know. Kind of got that goofy attitude, which I'm all for. But you got to be, you have to take it seriously. And this is the thing is like, when you, if, if to be able to play D-line at the size he's been playing, well, you can't get away with things that a guy that weighs 330 gets away with. You see the guys that weigh 330, they're all like standing straight up and down, right? Because they can get away with, they don't get pushed off the ball. He can't get away with that. So he plays with the great pad lean and, uh, you know, low pad level. If you put on 25 pounds and you've already got the, the technique and the muscle memory of playing low like that, you could be an absolute killer. It's got to mean something to you. Yep. I, I can just tell you from experience. You you have to treat it like a job to add the weight. You just have to. And he needs to get heavier and stronger. And he needs to become a big part of the rotation. He was not significant enough when it came to the defensive line rotation this season. And if he doesn't make the improvements he needs to make, he's going to get passed up. And they're going to go to the transfer portal looking to add a defensive lineman in the spring window. So I think I think it's a very important winner for him. I agree. I agree. You got anybody else? No, I think that, well, everyone on the entire <laughs> football team, yeah. but The entire I, offensive I, line. Entire offensive line. Um, I thought you'd have Troy Everett on there. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know like who the center is going to be. Give yeah. me, give me, give me Joshua Bates. Give me Troy Everett. Give me Eugene Brooks. Give me Garen Hatchett, the Washington transfer. Maybe he'll be the center. I, I just didn't know. I mean, there's no doubt yeah. Troy Everett's got to get stronger. He's got to add weight. There, there's just no doubt. I just don't know which one of those guys. It's going to be, they all need to. Yeah. Now, Eugene Brooks is probably one of the guys you look at me, you go, no, he needs to work on the body composition part of things. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy. Well, I, I'm sure him and Schmitty are getting so acquainted. <laughs> but yeah, those other guys, uh, you are, you're just, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be bigger and stronger. It's just a new world where they're headed. So, yeah, I just i I wanted to put whoever I thought the center was going to be on there. I just I don't know who it's going to be. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's something that we've talked about, you know, for a long time. And since when Venables took over and when he brought Coach Schmidt back, like 
the vision and it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's a, it's a tough process, but the vision for this football team is we have to get bigger. We have to get faster. We have to get stronger and we've made some good leaps. Uh, we just got to continue to build on it. No doubt. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys who the number one OU player was that you thought needed to have a great winter. And I really like this one from Will Melton. We we got a lot of offensive line and defensive line <laughs> responses, which, of course. But this one from Will Melton was interesting. He says, I think size and strength was the only thing keeping Josiah Wagner from seeing the field more. If he crushes the offseason, he can give depth to the cornerback position. At the very least, a stronger frame with Wagner's talent will cover an injury to Woody or Gentry Williams if that were to happen. Uh, I thought that that was was a really good point by Will Melton. Now, the shoulder issue was the main thing that kept Wagner off the field, but you could make the argument that that's all tied in with the strength and and the size and all that stuff. But, yeah, I thought that was a good one. Well, you know, that goes back to – Really, the entire like Gentry Williams and Wagner were, you know, hampered by shoulders the entire season. So I don't know, like, if there was surgery that came onto that at, after the year was done or what. But you know, that ties back into the reason what like, you need to be bigger and stronger to be, you know, more explosive on the football field to make plays. But the other factor, and maybe it's the most important factor, is durability. Right? A couple extra pounds, more muscle, strengthen the connective tissue because you're stronger. All of those things keep you on the field healthier and longer. I, I think there's an alternate universe where you would have been a doctor. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> There's a, there's a, there's a lot of alternate universes out there, but that one I don't know. I don't know if that one exists. Doctor Ted. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's talk to Judy Baranchek, man. I'm fired okay. up for this. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves all says you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. Celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Ale Works. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Ale Works. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletic Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. And Simple Modern is an Oklahoma-owned company founded by former Sooners. Their mission statement is, we exist to give generously, and they've given millions away in product and donations to nonprofits all over the state and all over the country. 
Simple Modern is a great company with a great mission, and their products are also the perfect swag for any small business. You can customize tumblers, water bottles, and coffee mugs to give to current or potential customers. They, they will love the quality and how trendy they are. Check them out at simplemodern.com. All right, here is Jenny Baranchek. It is our pleasure to be joined by the head coach for OU Women's Basketball. Jenny Baranchek is in the house. Coach, how we doing? Oh my gosh, great. Great. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot better when it's like a really, you know, turns into a pretty nice day. We had a quote unquote off day. You still work all day, but it counts, right? In some worlds. So no, it's it's uh it's going pretty well. I just am thankful you guys invited me. So thank you. Well, we're we're thrilled to have you. And that's right. There are no off days whenever the season's going, no matter what it says on the calendar. Well, you guys are coming off that the big bedlam win over the weekend. That must have been awesome for you guys to to pull that off. You know, it's been really fun to, I mean, it's it's bedlam's bedlam, right? It's really fun. And it got a little bit heated even after the game where it's, you know, our fans and their fans and you start to really realize how much bigger it is than just even a game, you know? And so that was, that was fun. Um, but no, I'm really proud of the way that our team really has been finishing strong. So it's been fun to watch the growth. It's been fun to watch how far we've come. It hasn't always been fun in the process, but we're starting to see some of that right now. So it's pretty awesome. You mentioned the growth. You guys had some tough losses early in the season how did you how did you handle that as a coach and did, did you make any changes any changes to your approach like how did you handle that because you, you guys lost some games that you were not expected to lose early on you know you know how many times i've been asked that question and i even get countdown most of the time of how many days it's been since we've had <laughs> certain losses so um, it's no, been 37 days. I, exactly. Since you would, you would let, I mean, now, you know, and I don't do like drinking games, but if I did, <laughs> I tell you what, it would be a good one. Um, no, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it was, it was more than, it was more than one game that gets referenced a lot. It was a hard month. It was a really hard month. And, um, you know, obviously you graduate so much, you have new expectations expectation and you have an injury and everybody seems to be going through some of the things right that we all go through and I think you know the only way that you can navigate it as a coach is how you want your players to navigate it so if I'm down in the valley or I'm at the mountain peak and then I'm back down in the valley and then I'm at the mountain peak then our team's going to be the same way and so you just have to stay you have to stay really true to who you are and what you do um, because then they will. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. And, you know, obviously you make some on-court adjustments, but you don't make, you don't make the adjustments to the culture or the standard. And I think that's, that's a big difference too. You don't throw everything away and start all over. You just keep believing in them even more and you keep letting them fall down so that they can get up and roll up their sleeves and, you, that's part of the growth process. I think it's very similar to parenting. You know, you're way better parent to other people's kids than you are your own. You can see it in other people's teams, um, but it takes a lot of patience. But it also, if you want true growth, true process, it's not about you. It's about how they do it. And I'm I'm really proud to see that growth continue. And like you had, there's countless examples. 
Yeah, I mean, it can be a tool for a coach, right? Whenever you go through a rough period to reinforce some of the things that you've been you've been preaching or going through, you can they show up on film and I imagine, you know, that is reinforced to the players and they can see it themselves and grow from it. Well, exactly. And you know, it's it's really interesting to being a mom. So I had kind of a little bit of insight too, because my daughter's um, my middle, Jordy, my one that went viral, her best friend was Jeff Levy's daughter. And I over, you know, I heard them on a FaceTime. It was, a, I don't even know what game they were going to just talking about how much they have to win and they have to win this game and they have to play well and they have to do this. And, and then it went into, you know, cause then my dad, this and my dad, that, and my mom, you know, and then she's like, yeah, I know the feeling. And you don't even realize that if you, you know, as a parent, you have, you have to be stable. You have to be steady. You have to, you know, you have to understand that you have to lose with grace. You have to win with grace. You have to, you just have to figure it out. And it's not winning is way more about a win loss column. And so I think those moments to be able to see that, um, also really help you in when it was a hard Christmas, it was a real hard Christmas. And so, but it's still Christmas, you know, Santa still comes, still go to church. You still, you know, you still have to do that. And so I think those moments, the real life moments that we all have, you know, like, you know how your life seems so glamorous and you're like, not in the morning when you're trying to get out of the house, you know, and that's all of us. And so I think, you know, those, those are the real moments of life and it's the same in coaching. That's really interesting. Now, you, you mean you because your house is perfect getting out? Is that why? Is that why that's interesting? I just, <laughs> my son gets mad at me if I don't make the pancakes right in the morning, coach. You know, there's, there, he wants or them a very, per, yeah, a very particular way. I've tried to perfect it. I'm, I'm trying my best, I swear. But you mentioned that winning, it's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than just the win and loss column. But you guys have been, I mean, you guys have it rolling right sure. now. Nine and one in conference play, the only loss on the road against a really good K State team. What what's been the key to this run and, and this confidence that your team is playing with right now? I think the biggest thing, and you could see it if you watched our game against Oklahoma State this last weekend and you watched the first half compared to the second half, it was a good game, the whole game, both sides. Uh, you could see a difference in our team being a team. And, you know, I know Brent talks about that. I know Porter talks about that. I mean, there is a difference of when people really do play for one another. Then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how you play. You just come out and, you know, if your number's called, then it's easier to do that. I think in the non-conference, I think we had to do this and we had to do this and we wanted it so bad. And there's a difference of wanting it so bad. It wasn't a, it wasn't a lack of working. We probably worked harder than we ever have. It wasn't a lack of getting in the gym and getting up extra shots. It was really finding that stability in the team. And also there's, there's, you know, basketball is so gray. It is not black and white. It's not right and wrong. It's not, I mean, you could watch one game and it's completely officiated differently than the next game. You just have to constantly adjust and it is so great and it's so fluid. 
And so that's something that I think our team has really put the strength in the team and less in the individual and performance. And I know that sounds really cliche, but I think that's it. Is there any, is there any one player maybe that you can point to that has really embodied that? Like is, has kind of led that charge perhaps? Well, I think there's a lot of players. I mean, obviously Skylar Van has, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know, she comes back and she's the one that has a lot of accolades and, you graduate a lot of people, but everybody knew a year ago, we would put the ball in Maddie Williams hands and then, you know, she might pass it. She might shoot it. She might, you know, and so it was, it was something that was a little bit, uh, we, everybody knew and, and sky hit big shots last year. And she was the sixth player of the year, two years in a row. And, you know, six players, I don't even know what the comparison would be in football, but like, you're the one that like you come in and it's high drama, it's high notice, it's glitz, it's glam, you know, it's all the things. There's a really, there's a really different role when you're a starter than when you're that high flash six player. And so you don't, you don't get to be in the drama. You don't get to get in foul trouble. You don't get to, you have to be steady. You have to be, you know, dependable. You have to show up every single day. And so I think even her, you know, coming in, I think her steadiness has really created an element for us of just stability. I mean, we've gone to some hostile environments. I mean, we, I don't know if I've ever been booed so loud as we were when we came out at OSU. And then you have Lexi Keys, who's another player who transferred from, you know, from OSU. And every time she got the ball, every single time and her grace, her just presence and her steadiness, she didn't have that a month ago. She wanted it so bad. This is kind of a side note, funny story. But when we were, when she came to visit and she was, she was born a Sooner fan and ended up playing at OSU and then transferred and came here. Right. And so she comes with her brother who's in eighth grade. She has an uh, older brother and younger brother. And so they're touring campus and, you know, Venables and their staff met with her and it was great. And then they run into Dylan Gabriel and all of a sudden her brother goes up to her and is like, do not mess this up for us because he wanted them to be here so bad. And he's like, this is our dream, (laughs) you know? And so she was one, I think that wanted it so bad. And she worked so hard, so hard, so hard. And the shots weren't falling. And I think now she's just in a different space of just allowing it. You know, Steve Kerr talks about that a ton with the Warriors. I mean, you can see that all over the NBA, those players that have that just kind of magic about them. And that's that's what I think. So I think those two players and then our point guard, Nevea Todd, I think has really embodied that. I think she's just, I think she thought she led everybody for two years. But when you play with such experience, you don't have to do much. Everybody kind of knows where to go or at least has an idea of the situation, even though it was a new coaching staff. And now it's like, nope, you have to put everybody where they need to go. And you've seen that growth as well. So as a coach, you you kind of, you know, everything starts at the top, typically in college athletics. Now you want to have a player driven team, mm-hmm. but how difficult is it for you to develop the culture piece with, with all the movement that we see now in college athletics? Like how, how do you piece that all together? Yeah, I think it's a major challenge, especially, you know, I mean, you talk about one piece in terms of transfer portal, you talk another piece in terms of NIL, you talk, 
you know, I mean, the, you name it, everything's changing conference realignments, you know, I mean, we've had so much significant change in the last couple of years that it took me a little bit to decide. I mean, even this is my third season here and have restructured even the way that you think about a coaching staff, because we're turning to kind of a professional model, right? And so it looks different. However, in, you know, this is again, just my opinion, but I 100% have to make sure that my job is three things. One is and that I have to be the gatekeeper of every single day. And the number one thing is the culture. So it's gotta be a me too culture. I have to live it out with them. And I think that's really important. And to me, the culture is all about the team. And so that's a huge piece. The other part is the academic piece that will always differentiate college athletics and professional athletics. Um, I think that's a huge piece. And then recruiting, you know, recruiting is very different than it is in the professional sports world. I mean, you know, I mean, we're talking to 14 and 15 year old kids trying to have them make adult decisions and then, you know, everybody says, oh, and then you have to recruit them here. I don't, I don't know if that's really how I look at it. I look at it. You got to hold, you got to make sure that you hold fast in terms of that culture of team. And then that stuff takes care of itself. You know, most people are going to be able to decide and they're going to stay because you still want to grow it at a grassroots level. I mean, look at, look at the thunder. That's what you want to be able to do, right. Is grow it from a grassroots level. And then you have something really special special when you do that yeah the culture kind of takes care of it if the culture is right it's where everyone wants to stay and play um what would you say is maybe uh you know one of the keys to you guys success up to this point and maybe something that you've got to really sure up or build if you want to get where you know whatever the goals that you guys have set are you know if if that makes sense yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And, and mostly from an on-court standpoint, defensively, we've gotten so much better. Uh, we've done a really nice job, um, of changing some things up of, um, much better in terms of our one-on-one defense, much better in terms of our rotational defense, uh, still have to sure up some things still need to rebound a lot better. I mean, we're doing, you know, we're doing a good job and, you know, if somebody, most people would say we're doing a good job of rebounding. I don't think we are. I think we have more in our tank, probably both ends, um, really on the offensive end, but, um, that's something that we have gotten light years better in the last probably month or so, uh, or at least this first half of the conference season. The other thing that we've done a really nice job of is just valuing the basketball a lot more than we did. So we run, we run an offense where I'm not calling a lot of sets. We run different variation of, um, we call it motion. It's not your pattern motion by any means it's making reads. And so we have different looks and different space. We teach a little bit more spacing and more read and react type of looks. Um, so that takes a lot. So again, when you have a new team, it just takes a lot of time to be able to read each other because you first have to understand what it is that you do really well in the system then you have to understand what other people do really well. Then you have to play to their strengths within your strengths. Oh yeah. And then you have defense and the defense changes, defensive game plans change. So then you've got to be able to read that as you go. So what I feel like we've done a pretty good job of is from the beginning of the year to right now, um, our, our ball, our ball control and just handling a little bit of different defensive styles. 
What we really need to do though, is get our field goal, our field goal percentage up higher. We need to continue to put ourselves in positions um, to really start to play to each other's strengths more. Got the second half at Oklahoma State this last weekend. We did a really nice job. When we were at Texas, we did a really nice job of being able to uh, have five scores on the floor at all times. That's what we want to be able to do. And I would like to see our depth come back. You know, we played our depth a lot in the non-conference, and then we've had key players come in. Uh, we need more, and in part of that's just probably getting more time. Um, but I really have liked how we've been able to finish games as well. We were not able to do that a month ago, and you could see that, and that resulted in some losses that you don't want to have or really low field goal percentage. Um, and now when we have to get stops, we're, we've gotten them in the last two minutes. I'm talking last two minutes. And when we've needed scores, we've been able to score. You know, like even Nevea Tot. We're at Texas and we're up and she's fouled three times and she goes three for six from the free throw line. And then yesterday, whenever we played Saturday, um, she went four for four. So even those experiences, as much as, I mean, you guys know, especially in football, like you can drill something all you want, but when those game lights are on, it is completely different. I mean, it's just different. So you can, you can practice those, but until you know that feeling or you know what the sound is, you know what the smells like, you know how your heart's racing, you know how to, you know, get yourself stable. You know what you're telling yourself in your mind. When you, when you finally step on that line and do that, it's a heck of a lot easier to practice it in the future than if you've never been the one doing it. For sure. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Now uh, I've heard Porter talk a lot about this. I've heard you talk a lot about it uh, when it comes to developing the atmosphere at the LNC and, and giving you guys, uh, giving your teams uh, a home court advantage uh, for your team. How do you feel like that is progressing, especially as you guys are starting to, I mean, to really rack up some wins here lately? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think what, what, when you come in, you watch us, you, you leave, you have fun. It's, it and is I, entertaining the way that I you, think, I, yeah. I like the way that you guys played. I, I would tell you if I didn't, I, I watch I every one of y'all's games now. And I it's the rule changes helped a lot too, right? Were the you women's product. It just makes yeah. way more sense than the men's. It's ridiculous. I know. Well, okay. So, um, I know this is, this is, I've been talking about this a lot lately, especially with media in terms of, because our game is managed so differently. So Porter and I manage games completely different um, because of our rules. So we, our rules are more similar to the NBA where the men's aren't. So in the first half, the men have to use a timeout. We don't. So we don't, we don't want to use them if you don't have to, because we can advance the ball where they can't advance the ball. And so it's just a completely different, I mean, there are no timeouts in the women's game, not no, but there's very few timeouts that are called to set your defense. And most of the men's timeouts are called to set their defense. And so it's just completely, it's a completely different style. Now, the other thing that I really like about it is we have, you know, three times in a game that you're managing an end of a quarter. And then everybody has the end of game management. They only have one, they have one and a half. So, we, so, well, and so you talk about the, you know, just the basketball IQ piece, you get real experience three times a game, you know, it's a three to one 
for them. So, you know, he talks a lot about that a lot too, in terms of just your basketball IQ and what you're doing. But I think part of that is that we just get more opportunities to, to do it live. I mean, yeah, again, you can practice it. It's just different when it's live. So, so I do love that. And yes, I do. I, here's the other thing I think that's, that is, um, really unique right now for women's basketball is you look at from a national level. I mean, how many times have you guys heard of Caitlin Clark, right? So, I mean, from a national level right now, women's basketball is on fire. I mean, they're selling out arenas everywhere. Last year, our NCAA tournament was 9.9 million views, which was the first time it ever outdrew men's basketball in the state of Oklahoma. We're not there. We're behind in terms of national, of terms of where our game is growing at a national level. So what I feel like we just need to continue to do is grow it at the grassroots level. And so I have three young kids. I've got a fifth grader, a fourth grader, and then we have a kindergartner and there's no shortage of shortage of young kids playing. There's a lot of people playing this sport and they love it. And I think obviously the Thunder have a huge part in that too. Um, and so we just need to continue to educate people on basketball. And I also think basketball, I think around here it's, we're so football dominant, which is not a good or bad thing, but basketball is a long season. And so in football, you can, you have a whole week to talk about a loss, right. And to regain and then to come up with your game plan and do all those things where, and, and our, and our fans are really good at that and basketball, you know, you got to go, you might play the next day. You might play in two days. You, you just don't have time. And you look at the big 12 conference on both sides, man, it's, it's massive. I mean, you look at the upsets everywhere. So part of that is sometimes we live and die with a loss when the reality is there's just a lot of games. There's a lot of games and, you know, but you also do that with wins. Like I'm not sitting here being like, Oh, great. We're on top of the big 12. I don't really care. It's February, whatever, you know, we got a long way to go. We got to keep kind of staying that course. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer. Now Love I sound it. like don't I? Do I sound like Brent? <laughs> He's rubbing off on you, coach. I know it was good. And you, know, you mentioned it, you know, football driven around here, and and that's true. And this is this is jumping way ahead, but it you know made me think of it like, what has the move to the SEC? What will that mean for you guys? Is that is that a big positive? Like, I, what is what does that mean for your program? Well, that just means you're competing against national champions, yep. you know, multiple times a year. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's a massive change for us. I mean, you talk about, you're going to go into hostile arenas. I mean, if you, if you start turning on, look at LSU, what they've done. I mean, Mississippi state sold out their arena, South Carolina continues to do that. So, I mean, you're looking at most of the places there from an attendance standpoint, from a facility standpoint, from an NIL, from everything, um, it's top of the line. And, uh, but I, the thing that's, I think is also extremely unique from sec. And I don't know it yet as well when you're in it, you know, we played some teams. Um, but the big 12, I think is really, it, it is such a great conference because there's so much versatility in the different types of teams. You know, there's so many different types of styles. There's, uh, you know, you could have one game plan that is completely different than the next. Not that that's not going to happen there. Cause I don't know. Um, you know, it's probably a little bigger. It's probably a little more physical. It's probably stronger, faster, all the things. Um, but I also think the big 12 is such a good conference too, 
So I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's good or bad. I think it's just going to be very different, but from a fan perspective, you know, we have Iowa state that we're going to pretty soon and they get 10 plus thousand. Um, but that's happening quite often in the sec. So we we're going to have to step it up from a fan base perspective. And I would say that probably in every sport. I mean, I think that's even football. I think we're going to have to, you know, get a little bit more invested in that as well. Need these fans to be a little crazier people down there. They're, <laughs> no, I they didn't got, say that. no, I, I didn't I'll say that. it. coach. <laughs> I'll say it. The people, sec fans, they got a lot of crazy in them. And we, we just got to ramp it up just a little bit. Right. Just, just nothing, nothing it's ridiculous. Right. Just a little bit, you know, now, this is the last question I have for you, coach. Yeah. Uh, I need you to help me out. Why are you guys not ranked? I, I'm trying to figure it out. I, I feel like I, I stay on top of women's basketball more than the average person. Is, is it just because of that rough month that you referenced earlier? Because it you're at the top of the big 12 conference. How are you not a top 25 team? Um, you know, I don't know. And these are just things that I don't really care about. And you'd think I should, and I would. Um, but I, I, you know, we're living every day and we still have a long way to go. And I don't get to decide that anyway. It's like officiating. You don't really get to have an opinion on it anyway. So you can either get pissed and hold on to it, or you can get pissed and then move on. Either way, you're getting pissed. But um, no, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm sure it will come, but that's the beautiful part is that, you know, we were, we weren't, we, we have been, we haven't been, um, we're not afraid of anything, you know, we've lost, we've won. Um, we don't, we don't have that fear to fall down. We don't have that fear to do the work and, and that's where we're going to live things that you can control. And that's something we just can't. So. Perfectly stated. I love it. That's great. Yeah. Use it to fuel, I guess, right? Well, you know, yeah. And you don't need, you know, here's the other thing. This team doesn't need external motivation. And I, I don't, I, I guess most of the teams that I've coached really don't when you get down to it, because I just don't necessarily believe in that. I think there's time and place where it's, yeah, it's a fun rivalry. I think those things are great. But if that's the only thing that's going to get you up every day, then you're not in the right program and, and you're not at the right place. I mean, look at, look at us here. Like we're as flashy and big brand as we are, we're pretty normal people that are like everybody else that roll up our sleeves and just work, you know? And, and I think that sometimes people don't realize that like softball, like they're not just going around riding, you know, wearing diamonds and driving Corvettes. I mean, they're working. I mean, gymnastics, same, you know, I mean, KJ always looks really good, but I'm sure she's working really hard. I mean, it's, you know, men's golf. I mean, you look at the different programs, women's tennis. I mean, obviously football, men's, ba- I mean, I see what men's basketball is doing. I mean, they're working and I want them to win every game. And all of us hate that sometimes it takes time but it takes time to really build that culture. I mean, even in, in football, like you can see the growth that they've had. And I don't know, that's probably been my favorite part about Oklahoma was the assumption that I had is a lot different than actually being in it. No doubt about it. 
Well, you well fans, said. go support this team. Go support Coach Baranchek. They're playing really good basketball. It's very entertaining. Get out to the right, LNC to watch them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coach, we really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining yeah. us. You guys, thank you. Appreciate you. Boomer. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first... All you grill masters, listen up. Didier Ranch delivers premium quality beef that is 100% raised in Oklahoma right to your front door. Go to DidierRanch.com, D-I-D-I-E-R, Ranch.com to order one of their premium quality beef boxes and use promo code OKLAHOMA15 for 15% off your order. Filet, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, steak burgers, they got it all and they ship anywhere in the continental U.S., and Oklahomans get deliveries in just one to two days. The only thing better than having a lot of premium beef on the O and D line is having premium beef delivered right to your front door. Didier Ranch, tradition tastes better. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game, and with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it is the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I thought about going with all the Tool fans out there. Uh, Oklahoma City was treated to perhaps the greatest concert experience ever on Saturday night. It was amazing. Uh, The band was great. The crowd was great. The venue was awesome. Could not have been better. But I went with Baker Mayfield. How about this? Late Pro Bowl invite gets the MVP. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of it. I saw some of the highlights. The touchdown to CD was cool. Uh, made some really nice throws out there. But really, Baker's just got a ton of like good, positive momentum and energy behind him. It's feeding that, like, he builds off of this. Like this is when Baker is at his best. I anticipate Baker having a booked off-season filming commercials, right? Right, like whenever he came out in the draft, because he's great on TV. It's been a while. I think he's going to be back on our TV sets come uh, come the fall. I I hope he is because he's a tremendous actor. He is. I mean, he's, he's great. Really and, but the I also thought. It was a really positive sign for him and his future in Tampa that they're hiring Liam Cohn to be the offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. Clearly a relationship there for Baker. So I don't know what the contract's going to look like. I think it's going to it's gonna have a lot of zeros, or I know it's going to have a lot of zeros, and it's going to feel good for him to sign it. But you would anticipate that that deal's coming – relatively soon i I mean he is he's in a good position to be their quarterback for the next several years or at least that's how it feels to me yeah i you know i think you want to get that handled and out of the way to know what what the purse looks like to go out uh in free agency they also got to get mike evans uh you know signed back up but don't you have to imagine it's He's going to get like the Geno Smith contract uh, with inflation, inflation, inflation adjusted. I will be surprised if it's anything less than 30 million a year. 
that's kind of that's kind of where I see it in my head. And there were some reports, I forgot where they came from, but someone was saying maybe it's more like 40. Which well, it depends how they view him. If they view him as like the new guy, like in the building, they're saying, Hey, we if we can build around him, this is our guy long term. Well, then it goes up quite a bit pretty quickly, you know. Now, if it's like they view him as a transitional, let's see you go out there and earn that full, you know, franchise quarterback type of contract, then I think it's similar to Geno Smith, just bumped up. What was it? Was this 25 or 27 and a half? 25. Like that. 25. So I think like 30's got to be that number, you know, of kind of where you start the conversation. Yeah, I think that is the that's the floor of the mm-hmm. negotiation. If you're Baker and his reps, so we'll we'll see what it looks like. But just happy for him, man. Bet on himself. Seems like it's going to work out. Took that team to the playoffs. It's. I've said it a lot. I'll continue to say it. The National Football League is more fun when Baker Mayfield is playing well. Just this. Yeah, and you know the whole situation with the Browns. You know, Baker, whenever you're whenever you play like Baker, you you develop some haters. Right? It's just kind of how it is. You just you develop some haters. And with the whole situation and how it went down with the Browns, and I I feel like the uh the people that root for him, like the ratio of those people against the haters has grown massively. And he's got like a real nice groundswell of support behind him. Feels like, feels like he was one of the people that that everyone was kind of rooting for in the playoffs. So I mean, it's it's a good place to be for him, no doubt. All right, who is your loser of the weekend? I hate doing this now. Let it be known that I'm not picking on OU men's hoops. I I'll throw them in there as the winner after a win. But they got to be the loser after the UCF game on Saturday. Was not a great effort from them. They're capable of a lot better basketball than that. Hey, UCF, I understand. Nice basketball team and everything, but it really wasn't much of a game throughout. This is what my reaction was to watching that. Are are they good? I don't know. I I don't know because not, that that team is not. He here saw. are my notes from watching that game. No juice from them. Felt flat. Just felt flat. UCF just looked more athletic, looked more aggressive. OU struggled to get anything easy at all. And when they did get to the rim, it felt like they missed a lot of shots at the rim. Turned it over way too much. And when they turned it over, UCF made a pay quite a bit. They really pushed the pace in those situations, and it didn't look like, oh, you could keep up. UCF shot 10 more free throws than them, and it's because Sooner struggled to keep people in front of them, especially Sellers and Johnson. Other than, you know, Darthard shot it well. 
He gave him nice production off the bench. Suarez did some good things, but McCollum was quiet. Jalen Moore was oh okay, but you need more from that guy. Just felt like UCF was wanted it more, and they looked looked like they were just playing at a quicker pace. Yep. Yeah, we it was uh it was not a good day for the starters. I mean, uh, Godwin was 0 for 5 from the field. I mean, McCollum was 2 for 10, 0 for 5 from 3. Just, you know, ice cold, ice cold. And, you know, I hope that win at K-State, which, you know, was an ugly win. I, if, you're, if you're box score scanning the Kansas State win, you probably would say there's no way they won that game, you know, but they did and did handily. Um you know, you're right. It's because of some of the stagnation. I feel like at times it's, there are no easy buckets, right? There's hard to get anything easy. And that's reflected whenever you see what, you know, we shot, we were 20 of 54 as a team from the floor. I mean, that's, that's not good. I mean, you're not going to win many basketball games shooting 37% field goal percentage. So they, they've got to find a way to use their athleticism better, to get out and run, to attack the rim a little bit more, and, and find a way to get some easy buckets, or it's just going to be a long, grinding, bad year from here on out, you know? Yeah, that was – it was a disappointing performance. The – and this is something Billy Donovan used to talk about all the time, and it's really stuck with me when he was the coach for the Thunder. He always talked about guys playing with force. It was something that a term he would use a lot, like playing with force, getting downhill, like being strong with the ball. And that's he that's how we talked about the physicality of basketball. And that just wasn't there. That wasn't there for him on Saturday. And that was that was disappointing, man. I was yeah. I was bummed out watching that. I was I was watching that at Disney World on my phone. <laughs> watching watching the Sooners struggle. And I I text Stanford Steve. I said, Will you tell the guys in gray to please hit a shot? Yeah. It's frustrating. Again, it's like one of those things where you look at UCF and it's not like they killed it from three. You know, they were 30% from three. It's not like they just you know, came out, hit a bunch of big threes. I mean, that wasn't the case at all. Um, you know, they just, they leaned on us. We turned it over and no frustrating. I wish I honestly, I, it's not my specialty. I don't know really what they should do. I just feel like it, it looks kind of stagnant, you know, instead Mm of like the, one of the things that we liked about this team early on, is my gosh, look how athletic they are. Look how well they run and finish. But that is few and far between as the season wears on. And I know like it's it's a tough conference. And you know, when you play a bunch of tough teams and really good coaches, everyone gets a good book on how to defend you and make it hard. Life is hard. So I don't know. I, I still still think they, they could be a good team. I think they can make the tournament, but you know, they, they do have to start pressing it, man. Yeah. Going to fall out of the top 25. Just has not. 
we're all really, really excited early, and some of the excitement is worn off. But hey, I'm not giving up on them. A lot of lot of season to be played, but there's no doubt they gotta they gotta get back on track a little bit. All right, let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first, attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. And head to opaliscolleague.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opaliscolleague.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. For my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Doc Rivers. <laughs> Just a hilarious situation. Got his first win as the Bucks head coach against the Mavs, and that somehow locked him into being the coach for the Eastern Conference All-Star team. And to his credit, he acknowledged how dumb it is. Here's the quote. That is ridiculously bad. It really is. He went on to say he's going to give Adrian Griffin the All-Star bonus, and I guess you get a ring if you're the coach of the All-Star game. He said he's going to give them both to Adrian Griffin, but... He basically said, I want to go on vacation. The rest of my staff can go do this. But I, overall, it was a weird situation, but he handled it. He handled it well. That's funny. Yeah, well, it is weird. You know, it's – and I get it. It's like for maybe for some teams that end up there, and it's it's a nice little spotlight to have that. But, you know, it's kind of like going to coach the Senior Bowl where – the team that finishes dead last in the NFL gets to go coach, or is that's how they still do it, right? No. Now they no, pick they pick it. and choose like different guys from different teams. Yeah, they've changed uh, it. Well, I it's like this is like uh supposed to be a reward, and I bet most of the coaches are like, you know what? I you know, I'd I'd happily hand that off to someone else instead of be yeah. working on the all-star break. But yeah. he handled it well, you're right. But my winner of the weekend. Disneyland. My wife turned 31. Happy birthday, honey. Oh, happy birthday. And on Saturday, we were in California. And what did she want to do for her birthday, Ted? She wanted to take our boys to Disneyland. So we went to Disneyland and California Adventure. It is my first Disney experience. We wore custom matching sweatshirts. We were there for nearly 11 straight hours. According to my phone, I had nearly 17,000 steps at <laughs> Disneyland. But my wife had a good time. Our son seemed to have a really, really good time. Overall, I can understand where some of your frustrations come from, Ted, but overall, a solid experience. I never blew a gasket, which is good. But hey. yeah, I had my first Disney experience. I will um I will take partial credit for that. If you expect like the misery, like if you know what you're getting into, it's not like you're somewhat prepared for it. 
like I had dreaded it so long and built it up to be so horrible in my head that it only like 90% lived up to it. Not, not all the way. <laughs> yeah. Now I did, I did have the expensive lunch you warned me about and, yep. and we ate at the area that was in between the two parks and the burger was actually pretty good. It's like something tap room. It was good. It was a good burger, but there are a couple of observations I have. I simply do not understand adults that are there by themselves and riding the kids rides by themselves. I do. I just, it's baffling to me. There are little kids waiting in line and these adults are riding the rides by themselves. I, you're making kids wait people. I, I just, I don't understand it. Maybe I will eventually. I just don't understand it. I know. I feel like it is. I feel like the ratio of adults to children is massively off. Yes. There, there's way more adults there than there are children. And it got way more crowded at night. I was there all day. Okay. And it was way more crowded at night. I figured, oh, all the kids. It'll be way more crowded in the morning and the early afternoon. No, no, no. Way more crowded at night. Strange. Mm. I do want to give a shout out, and I do have a picture for uh I I am typically anti-photographing another human in public. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's kind of weird, but this woman's shirt was so outrageously aggressive. That MILF University, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I had to take a picture. I that uh, woman woke up and said, This is what I'm gonna wear to Disneyland today. This is the shirt. I'm gonna, she was with her kids. Not only did she wake up, she packed it. She packed it. Saturday's gonna be the MILF shirt day. <laughs> University, just an outrageously aggressive t-shirt choice. Um, I'm guessing their family didn't have matching shirts, right? They did not. The dad was not also wearing uh, the <laughs> MILF University shirt. If you know, I, I showed the shirt. If you're watching on YouTube, then you'll see it. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast platforms, maybe pop over to YouTube every once in a while and you can see some funny stuff. But the lines are insane. We did the Genie Plus package which it got us the lightning lane for some things, but not all things looked into the VIP experience. That is just insanely expensive. My goodness. But overall, I got a little annoyed at how they rearranged the strollers. When you walk away, they just like rearrange them for no reason. There's someone's job. They're just rearranging strollers all the time. <laughs> There's one lady, two sets of twins and they moved her stroller. She was not least. She was like, where are my two double strollers? Oh, I thought it was one. I was like, that's got to be like a bus stroller. No. But I, I understand that Disney World is probably a whole different animal from what I was able to gather. But Disneyland overall, there's no doubt there's some things in Disneyland that need some updating. But an overall positive experience. My son was starstruck by Lightning, Mc Lightning McQueen starstruck awesome. it was pretty awesome that is awesome yeah i 
I think the biggest advantage Disneyland has over Disney World is the weather. Like, it's cool and dry at Disneyland, and it is hot and humid at Disney World. Not a good combination for walking 15 miles a day. (laughs) There's a lot of walking. A lot of walking, but overall, had a lot of fun. Now, my loser of the week, end. Thought about going, you know, we've got some massive international stars. So I thought about going with their Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton, leaving Mercedes for Ferrari in 2025. I don't blame him. Uh, ever since the uh, porpoising issue, they've been crap. The porpoising has, I, I love that you remember that. <laughs> we haven't talked F1 in a while. I still watch. It's fun. But you had that, and that's a massive story in Formula One, but also Kylian Mbappe leaving PSG for Real Madrid, reportedly. So we've got some massive stars on the move in the sports That's world. Big That's big time. I'm I'm curious to see what that price tag looks like for Mbappe. Those soccer players come with some huge deals. Yeah. I, I read something that said that he was going to make half of what he was making at PSG at Real Madrid there's no way that's true. I mean, there's just that makes no sense to me. So we'll we'll see what it looks like, but I don't think he's going to be struggling. I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I, be fine. I do appreciate Formula One because you don't get this in the NFL, the NBA, really. Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, still has to do another season. With Mercedes, with that entire team knowing that he's going to leave. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Everyone knows he's going to leave. The guy has been the face of the brand for a decade. And everyone knows he's leaving for Ferrari in 2025. But they still just have to show up to work and go, all right, guys, let's do this. That is weird. So why did he announce so early? Why did they... I don't know. Like you can negotiate your free agent deal before you're a free agent. Yeah. Formula one, man. I will say he's going to sell a lot of Ferrari merch. Yeah. He's going to look sweet in the red. Yep. I agree. But but my loser of the weekend, the ACC and big 12 super league coming. Yep. They didn't use the word alliance, and they weren't about to open themselves up to those jokes. But if you miss it, the Big Ten and SEC are teaming up. They are calling it a joint advisory group. It'll be presidents, chancellors, athletic directors, and their purpose is to, quote, address the significant challenges facing college athletics. Now, Ted, there are no details on what this advisory group is going to actually do. But it feels like the start of something, doesn't it? It does. Now, I'll admit, the first time I saw uh, an advisory group made up of presidents, chancellors, and ADs, you know, with my PTSD from being in the Big 12 for so long, um, talk about stuff 
and do nothing. We'll just wait and cash our mailbox money from Oklahoma and Texas is what I've always got in the Big 12. So I have to kind of retrain myself that um, the Big 10 and the SEC, hopefully this is proactive to get stuff done, to start making some meaningful moves in, in a direction to to get whatever guardrails they want, set things up however they want, and start to give a little bit of stability to what's happening out there and not just sit around and talk. But I got to admit, whenever I see it made up of presidents and chancellors, I don't feel great about it. I Give me the people that are in the muck every single day. I Tell me you formed an advisory group of the head coaches that are talking about it. You know, that's to me, the real meat and potatoes. Right. Now the assumption is the ADs will talk to the coaches and that's how all this thing, whatever's going to happen here, that's how it'll get shaped. But I did think it was interesting in, in Tody Petiti's statement. He mentioned the substantial investment in the NCA that both conferences have. So I, I, I thought that the way that they phrased that was interesting. Now, I'm not sure that applies to college football and what the future of college football looks like, but for them to mention the NCA and the substantial investment, I do think a lot of people think this whole thing's just going to get blown up. I think there's a role for the NCA moving forward. I just don't think it's involved in college football. I could see that breaking off and being a separate thing. But when you when you look at this relationship between the two most powerful conferences that that is developing, it does make you jump to some conclusions about what's going to happen, most most specifically with college football. Could yeah. the Big Ten and the SEC say, hey, we're now one big super league? And this is how we're going to treat it. I I don't think that's going to happen, but would it shock me? No, it wouldn't. But to have the two most powerful conferences now communicating on a regular basis and talking about the future of all these things, it's. I think it's a good thing. I think. Yeah, yeah and I love the, uh, the substantial investment in NCAA. It's basically like saying, you know, w- we funded this thing with a huge amount of money. Is it working in our interest right now whenever it comes to, to football? You know, it's like, are we, are we getting, are we getting back out of that investment? What we have, or is that even meaningful moving forward with the way that things look now? I think the NCAA is always going to have, uh, you know, a, huge part in college athletics, but it may not in football. Two other things on this. I guess it's one just large, one overall thought. I can't decide if this is the SEC in the Big Ten saying we are teaming up and it signals to everyone else, if you want to be a part of this, You know how to reach us. Basically saying we are, we're creating this one big thing 
And if you want to be part, is, is this an indirect signal by them to say, "Hey, the wheels, the wheels are they're starting to turn. Things are in motion." Yeah, I I don't know. Or is it them going, "We're just better than the rest of you," <laughs> and you're not part of the cool kid club? I can't decide which one it is. Maybe it's neither. But well, here's the thing: it's. Everyone has to remember this. It's not the Big Ten or the SEC. It's the networks. That's who's paying the money. That's what's driving the sport. And if I'm at a network, I'm talking to the conferences and saying, guys, you know, we love carrying that Ohio State-Michigan game. We hate putting all the money that it costs to, to broadcast it, produce it. We hate carrying the Rutgers-Maryland game. We want more Ohio State-Michigan. We want less Rutgers-Maryland. So I think that is what this whirlwind is going to be. It's going to be a separation of who brings ratings and who doesn't. The haves and the have-nots. And I don't know where that line is going to be, but it's going to happen eventually. The big boy conference and then everyone else. This feels like the start of that, right? Mm-hmm. It's how it feels to me. Like, hey, things are things are starting to place take take shape, and I I don't know what it's going to end up look like looking like. I don't know how how long it's going to take. Ultimately, but for whatever reason, I think it's sooner rather than later. I don't know if it's yeah. five years, three years. I, I don't know. But the fact that the Big Ten and the SEC publicly announced this, I think it's a, it's a bit of a signal, especially to college football fans, that uh, there, are, there are some conversation. Things are happening behind the scenes. And, who knows when we'll find out what this thing ultimately looks like, but can't be thrilled if you're the Big 12 or the ACC right now. No. No. I I don't know. I College football usually takes forever for things to take place, but because of the way things have unfolded, I don't think this one's going to take that long. I mean, you may get a couple years of the 12-team playoff, and and that's it. But I don't know. We'll see. Birthday shout outs. Happy fourth birthday to Jack Caps. Happy 12th birthday to Jay Thacker. Happy 12th birthday to. To Aquino. T.U. Aquino. Yeah. I think that's right. Nailed it. To, to Aquino. Happy 27th birthday to Jack Norman. Happy 32nd birthday to Christopher Moon. Happy 32nd birthday to Josh Gobble. Gobble? Gobble. Two Bs? <sighs> I think it's Gobble, but Gobble. We've got both of them. That's in how there. you spell Gobble, okay? I know. I could have typed it wrong. That's very possible. <laughs> also, happy birthday, Josh. Happy 51st birthday to Thad Wages. 
and happy upcoming birthday to Michael Chatlin. Episode 393 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Until